You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, cross-dresser and author of the Living with Cross-Dressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of foxandhanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hey, Savannah. How are you? I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm a little tired. Why? Why are you tired? Well, I didn't set my alarm. Mm. Because I'm thinking, I'm at the point where not only will I wake up naturally, but I get up early enough during the week that I don't, you know, what's sleeping in really. Yeah, please. And then at like, I think it was like 11.05. I mean, we usually start anywhere from 11.15 to 11.30, right? Mm-hmm. Pacific at 11.05, yep. my daughter just barrel-ass, you know, barrel-asses in. It's like, mom, dad, this and that and the other thing. And I'm just like, what, what, what time is it? And I noticed <laughs> that it was like 11.05. I'm like, oh, skedaddle. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So if you, so the crust that you're seeing under my eyes, I didn't add it for, you know, glisten Perfect. or effect. Yeah. It's real. Okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, so, so if the listeners hear a couple of yawns here and there, it's just, it's not because you're bored. It's just because you're still waking up. I am up and I'm so awake for both of you, but like, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that like half my face isn't awake. Like my soul is awake, <laughs> but like, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, if this is your, this is your wake up face, you're looking pretty good. Thanks. You're welcome. Where I had to put hours into what you got going on oh, over here. Of course. <laughs> and look at what a face. Thank you. You know why? And uh, speaking of what a face, something very interesting happened to me today at Starbucks. Um, yeah. I was supposed to meet with somebody. And so I kind of scheduled my, my day around it a little bit. Um, they were unable to make it. So I kind of was able to kind of re- reconfigure my day a little bit. So I went to Starbucks and as you know, with the pandemic and there's closures and not enough staff to cover, you know, walk-ins and stuff. Yeah. So I did my mobile order and I parked a car, pulled my bag out, put it all outside in the outdoor seating, go to the door with my mask on, it's locked. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, ah. So then I get back, throw all my stuff back in the car, right. go to the drive-thru, go around after, you know, you stop at the um, the menu board and you say, hi, mm-hmm. you know, I said, hi, pickup, mobile, quad espresso for Chuck. That's what I said. They said, oh, we have it here. It's waiting at the window. I'm like, great. So I pull around three cars later and I get my drink. And the gentleman who gave me the drink and my straw was like, oh, um, just so you know, if it's, I hope it's okay, but did you not want to use that name anymore? Is that an old name? Because my my label says Chuck on it. Totally. Yep. Okay. They so PC. They're being PC, and they're yeah. like, "Well, you know, do you not want to use that name anymore? Is that an old name?" And you can go into the app and you can change that. And I said, "Oh, I said, oh my God, thank you so much." Number one. I said, oh my God, thank you. That's so sweet of you. I said, no, I'm dual gender, so it's okay that I use that name. But the fact that they ventured that as like so being like kind of in the moment with me of we recognize how you look and that maybe 
you know, you might be struggling with is like, I don't know how to use my app to change it to my, my real name or oh, my, that was so cultural sensitivity Yeah, at its finest Starbucks. We're talking to you. Hey, hey. And it was so, uh, it, 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 it just warmed my heart in such a way, even though it wasn't, you know, a need for me. But I do think about it when I do the app. I'm like, I wish you could say Savannah when I'm Savannah. Mm. I wish you could say Chuck when it's Chuck. And oh, that would be nice. Can. Yeah, I can. But it's just be a lot of work to keep going into the profile and changing the name. Right. Um, but the fact that that was the first time somebody had mentioned that to me, I thought was just made me happy and validated. Um, so that was, Aww. yeah. So I, I really... Yeah, it was so nice. I, that I makes really, me so happy. Yeah. Did you know these people? I mean, I know. Um, no, I don't know them personally. This is the the newer store, so I don't really know the people other than uh, a couple times I've gone inside and they knew exactly that the drink for Chuck was for me, so that was nice. But this was a completely different uh, barista that had mentioned it, so it was just it was sweet. It's very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. So I loved that. That like was that little, like that little nuance of validation. It wasn't like some big celebratory thing about Savannah. It was just yeah. like, I recognize you for how you look and yeah. how can I make that easier for you if you were having trouble? So Yay, <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks for sharing. That was a thank you. story. Uh thank you. The, and I will give you one more super quick. I'm wearing my shiny liquid leather leggings today hello and um as i'm sitting there with my drink finally doing some work one lady goes by and so she comes past me to go back to her car she's like oh i just have to tell you i love your pants Mm. i'm like thank you Say it again, but louder. I used to have this friend, whenever people would give us a compliment, we'd be like, say it again, but louder. (laughs) I didn't want to tempt fate, but again, two times in the same sitting to get validated that way, I just Mm. thought it was so sweet. So my heart's bursting right now. Nice. Yeah. But you're talking about a topic we had. What topic is that? Well... Let me just start with um, the last podcast we did was about shame. Yes. And it was uh, episode 17. Mm -hmm. And hold on, let me just bring this up. And to the listeners, knowing that you're listening to this episode months later, but the episode that had gone live and was listened to uh, was first of the year. Right. Yeah. So we had done a an episode called Shame, Shame, Shame. And truthfully, <laughs> I didn't say this to you at, at, at all, but like I was thinking it the entire time before we got this delicious uh, letter to us about the episode. I thought, you know, I want, I want to hear the stats about like who would listen because it's just Mm. like, no one wants to talk about shame (laughs) then to have it not once, but you know, three times in the title. I'm like, Ooh, that's, you know, let's see, let's see what kind of responses we get, if any. Um, And sure enough we did because shame is kind of a topic that even if there's the title that says shame, shame, shame. And like, it's, to the eyes, it might feel like, this is your life, shame, you know, <laughs> come on in, listen. Uh, people did actually um, really respond to it. And one of the responses we got was from a listener named Keisha, and I'd love to share that. Okay. 
please. This week's episode was huge. Thank you for talking about this. I think it's worth noting there's possible shame for the partner as well. And not shame for loving the cross-dresser, but maybe shame for carrying such a huge secret around to those you love. You mentioned that it is unfair for the cross-dressing partner to expect their loved one not to talk to their support system about it. But it's also not cool for the loved one to just go tell everyone and their dog about this all at once. For me, the element of shame is being around folks I feel close to and feeling like I'm not being truthful because I have this huge secret that is visibly affecting me, but him not want to talk about it because I have a strict need to know code in my head. So just because I may find relief in sharing the information doesn't mean it's beneficial to anyone else. Will this person be supportive? Will this cause undue stress for the person I'm sharing with? Another element of shame for me are my own emotions surrounding the situation. Right now I'm depressed and anxious and sad. I love my partner and want nothing less for them to feel 100% authentic and loved and supported. And truthfully, the act of dressing and even leave the house dressed does not upset me. But the fact that I'm having these emotions make me feel like maybe I'm not as accepting and supportive as I thought I was. So now who am I? Am I still worthy of this beautiful human who loves and trusts me? Can I give them all that they need and deserve from my partner while they work all this out too? Am I holding back? Truthfully, this podcast and you, Savannah Hawk, and you, Julie Zissen Rubenstein, are the things that keep me from completely condemning myself because you do talk about these things and make me feel less alone and validated in my least favorite moments with myself. Love you both and thank you for doing this work. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's quite the oof response. Oof. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's heavy. It's heavy. It is. And and she really, you know, tapped into a really important concept and topic. Yeah. And we do focus a lot on the cross dresser and kind of unpacking that. Um, but we are a show that is a partnership, is based on partnership, you being a cross-dresser, me not being a cross-dresser. And it would be a giant fail on our parts not to give a bit more honorable mention and a dive a bit more deeply into the partners of oh, these cross-dressers. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that. The episode before this one, we talk about Caitlin and Gabby and their time together, oh, yeah. their, their yep. time out. And we, we kind of touched on the, you know, the kind of the experience, you know, this, yes, it was a huge moment for Caitlin to have this surprise and, and that uh, Gabby was so instrumental in this covert surprise for her and in, in being like uh, that person and partner who was just so enamored and in love with their person and wanting the best and wanting these experiences. So yeah, you're right. We talk a lot about the cross-dressing partner and we touch on the other partners or the significant ones in their lives. And ironically, also after the shame, shame, shame episode, I was reached out to by a friend and listener who said they wanted to hear more uh, significant other centric 
conversation. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I think we're, we're both getting the same conversation from the, our listeners and, yeah. and partners that need, not need more, but just want to be either validated or spoken about so that they can feel like our journey together also includes them as, as much as the cross-dressing partner. Right. Right. It, it reminds me very much of the cross-dresser is kind of like the star of the show or, you know, how can we work with within my needs? How can the partner kind of circle around me as the sun? Yeah. You know? Oh, it's very true. So true. And so we wanted to spend this show based on an obvious need that's out there from our listeners, but we also feel like it's our job to make sure that we provide content that is relevant and needed. And mm -hmm. yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's yeah. jump right in. Let's talk well, about the partners. Well, because of um, what had happened with my friend and listener, I reached out to her. I spoke to Judy. I spoke to a couple other of our uh, friends and partners and kind of asked them some questions uh, basically three questions revolving around what did they feel were the pros of being in a relationship with a crossdresser, the cons, and like kind of like an essay about the journey to, to see if they could, you know, kind of expound upon any other points. Um, that's, so that's like so weird because why? when you were off in the field getting data, data, <laughs> I too was asking individuals. <laughs> partners about their experience so i've got my notes too oh shoot so now we could compare notes with our powers combined we shall have a show <laughs> <laughs> that celebrates you the partner the fox and the phoenix podcast yep. love it oh my god i love it uh so how do we want to break this down i mean i think maybe we go with the easy route which is the pros like, okay. uh, like, you know, what do we think, uh, or what were we told are the upsides to being in a relationship sure. with one, one of me? Um, so would you like to start with one or do you want me to start with one? Sure. Um, well, something that has gotten better since this spouse found out that she had a cross-dressing husband, hmm. um, was that there's no more secrets that her husband is far more focused and honest than he's ever been. Mm. Uh, interestingly enough, that did not come up as a pro necessarily. So we'll get to like where it falls on my radar. I will say my pro to go with that is that the spouse, the cross-dressing spouse is more relaxed helpful, accommodating, they're softer, they have a softer demeanor, they have an easier access to their more feminine emotions mm. um, because now they're open with their partner and they, they feel they don't have to be this, this veneer of masculinity all the time and not cry and, and not more attentive or more just kind of like in the now and in the sure. moment with their partner. So that was definitely something I feel that when a cross-dresser is accessing the feminine part of who they are they're opening up those floodgates of emotion either to feel or to be empathetic and sympathetic about kind of open up their compassion maybe even their passions more so mm. uh, did you did you get that on your side i did get some of that but um it's interesting because it sounds like we have 
you know, very different answers, which I literally love. But I do, as you were, yeah. Yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking about that there must be, to, to a cross-dress that isn't out to their partner, there must be some um, resentment. I imagine just the, the freeness that their partner is able to express their femininity with the clothes and the makeup and just the ease for which they can walk, walk on this planet. I, I was just, as you were speaking, I was also thinking about, huh, like, I wonder, this, this didn't come up in any of my notes, but I wonder if there's a level of resentment on the hiding cross-dressers part. Is that something that you heard as something that's come to <laughs> beyond? Is that a thing? There is definitely a thing that two, uh, to, I'm going to answer two questions. One was about the secret and the second is about the resentment. Uh, in the con category, uh, one of the common elements I heard was that now that the cross-dresser has unburdened themselves with the secret and mm-hmm. has shared it with the partner, Depending on how open the the relationship now is about telling others, the cross-dressing partner, the the wife, the girlfriend, you know, the SO, now is burdened with that secret. Now they walk around life not able to be open to their own friends, not right. able to like tell their own family. It's like, well, what's wrong? Well, you know, why are you like, you know, so mopey today or whatever? It's like you can't tell them. You got to come up with an excuse because about you're what's, tro- quote what's going on, right? You got to right. make up yeah. some lie about. Well, I'd love to tell you about how I'm kind of feeling vulnerable about my cross-dressing mate, but I'll tell you instead that oh, I just heard some bad news from somebody. And it's like, what how is you- it? Oh, can I help? And then suddenly you're in this lie spiral, you're, and it yes. sounds like. It sounds like it speaks to what Keisha had said in the, by the way, I got permission to use her name, good, good, um, good. In, in the letter to us about just feeling like just carrying around this emotional burden and how mm-hmm. it's kind of chipping away at her and not being able to s- s- talk about it. Yeah, have your own support system. My one friend who ventured the idea that we should talk more about the significant ones was saying, it's like, she's very, very open with her friends. And to have this separate part of her life mm-hmm. that she's unable to just share openly and like nonchalantly and without having to think about it, right. you know, there's a huge burden and resentment that builds up of, oh, wait, I have to think about what I'm going to say. Oh, have I told this person? Right. So now they're there. It's kind of like transference, that mm-hmm. term they use in therapy. So all the feelings of uh, shame and timing and lies and, and all that stuff that that the cross-dresser spent, let's say, X amount of years or maybe a month or who, who knows how long, right. has now, they have been suddenly free mm-hmm. with this person who is their person and suddenly gets transferred on to the, to the partner. I yeah. mean, I wish that there, I, I don't know, I haven't done this research, but it's almost like there needs to be a manual for the partner to be like, all right, now that I'm suddenly closeted, yes. like, and as as I read Keisha's beautiful letter, I was thinking, wow, I I thought it was a beautiful statement saying that like your partner should not be able to hold this secret with you. So you're both in the bunker. I thought that was Mm -hmm. really beautiful. But at the same time, this is such a precious secret that they're choosing you to out. It's almost like they have the power that they're coming out to you. And then who can I tell? I don't even Mm -hmm. know if who can I tell is like a a dialogue that happens once the coming out is. But it should be. 
I mean, I think I've said it before in all my cases, I've never kept my partner from reaching out to whoever they deemed the appropriate person to share this secret with because we've unburdened ourselves to you. I'm gonna gonna put you in the role of the spouse. I've unburdened myself to you so I can talk to you all about it all the time, all my worries, all my joy, and you're just gonna keep taking it and taking it and taking it with nobody to like vent that to. And you're like, (laughs) great, thanks for giving me more to deal with. The idea of the shame transference, the, oh my God, thank God I don't have this secret anymore. I was like, well, thank you. You gave it all to me. Right. You gave it all to me. And there's one thing I can't speak on all women, but many women have their girlfriends Mm -hmm. to process with. And I'm not necessarily saying like a group of like 10 at a a book club, but I'm talking (laughs) about that if they're lucky enough to have that one girlfriend that they can bear their soul to Mm -hmm. or, or let's say three, that they vent about their husbands, they soundboard, they reach a kind of connection and a commitment, and then they go on with their lives. Women, we're a tribe, Mm -hmm. and we have similar stresses, and we we vent and this and that, right? But then handing them a secret, like my husband's a cross-dresser, it adds another element, because first you have respect for their secrecy that they maybe couldn't even tell you, right? Yeah. Second of all, you have your own shame around it, which is it fair or not fair to tell the husband, I have my own shame about it. Let's talk about it. First of all, the answer is yes, it's healthy. Let's do this, people, and break. But like, <laughs> I really, I feel so much for the partner because it's so complicated. It they is. have their own trappings and shame and stigmas and worry about this. So to dump that on a girlfriend when they don't really have a sense of who they are and what's going on, the girlfriend has their own stigmas about mm-hmm. it. And the girlfriend has their own list of questions. Are you going to divorce? How are you doing? And suddenly, because it's such a, a fringe, it's a fringe community, it's, such a, it's kind of like a, a dirty little secret or whatever, suddenly every time that girlfriend sees the wife, that's all maybe she can see and hear and ask about. Yeah. Or it's awkward between them. So it's, I can imagine it's a dense thing to have to not only carry around, but you're hitting, you are hitting all the points. I mean, if you take it, if you stem it from the cross-dresser themselves, who may or may not be uber confident in who they are, right? That's number one. So they decide either they were discovered by the partner or they reveal themselves to the partner. So the first thing is the partner is like, Oh my God, does that mean you're gay? Does that mean you're a drag queen? Does that mean you're fetishist? Is that, what does it mean? Are you going to transition? Are you going to leave me? Are we divorcing? What's going to happen? Oh my God. All these things are instantaneous questions and worries by the female partner to hopefully the cross-dressing partner has confidence and self-assessment and self-awareness of where they feel they are. That's number one. You're allaying fears in your partner that you've just spoken to. Now, that doesn't all of a sudden negate and just evaporate all those fears because I've spoken to partners many times who have known for years and they're still dealing with the worry of loss, the worry that, you know, at any moment, maybe my partner does decide to transition. Um, It's all about communicating. It's all about, like, again, knowing thyself as the cross-dresser to let your partner know like where you are at in your journey so that they can come aboard if they choose to. 
in a meaningful way where when they now talk to their girlfriends, like you're saying, that and that girlfriend is now talking to them and asking them questions, they can be very confident and be very assured in the responses right. they're giving. So that it's not like, oh, I don't, what, 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 you think my husband might want to leave me? I, I don't know the answer. Right. I get the sense that this is a topic that is very, very private. That is, is one of the elephants in the room that maybe a girlfriend wouldn't confine it, even her best friend. I would hope so, though. I mean, I, I hope feel that... like I would, but I'm not in that situation. <laughs> I'm just imagining a hypothetical based having not gone through this. Right, right. Like, I don't know what I do. I know what kind of person I am. And I know that if I found this out, thank God I have a good therapist. I really don't know what I do. But that's a good point too. It's like, it doesn't have to be a friend. It could be a therapist. And also the idea that, okay, that means couples therapy. No, 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 honey. That means finding a therapy that has skills in LGBTQ, Mm -hmm. has skills in, you know, transgender health and all that and going by yourself and doing the work. And then maybe after you've done the work, use it as a platform to have a conversation. Then maybe bring the partner in, but it starts just like with the cross-dresser so that they can help their partner understand. It's knowing thyself, Mm -hmm. right? It's understanding their role in this and that it's natural to have grief. This seems like the perfect time to say that I had a very extensive conversation with a pair, and this is someone, the cross-dresser I'm, I'm close to, and her name is Brianna, and she asked her, her wife, Lori, and I'm, I'm mentioning their names because I know this is an important part of Brianna's experience with coming out as a cross-dresser, and I want to validate that. And rather than say pros and cons, for me, I approached it with hardest part, easiest part, what has brought you closer, hmm. and the first thought when they found out. So. Nice. What we're talking about now is that hard part, right? And so Lori says, is the feeling of betrayed and deceived having discovered on my own the 33 years into the relationship that my husband covered up his cross-dressing and gender identity and kept this huge secret from me and me having no choice about having to live with something I did not invite into my life and into our relationship. Mm. That is so important, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that that really speaks to your experience of doing the opposite, where as soon as you felt like like you and Judy were going places, I need to tell you something. Pump the I'm a cross-dresser. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it was, I cannot imagine the pain of, of finding out that your person has been hiding this for 33 years. And this is someone you've had children with. This is someone who you feel is your soulmate and you know everything. Was carrying around this burden and not able to share with you because they were so ashamed. Yeah. And it's not easy to be rational about that. Right. It is not easy to say, oh, I understand why he didn't share with me because he was afraid that I would reject him or he was afraid that everything would change or he was shameful about himself and didn't want to share that with me and feel like he was being judged by me. Those are valid points from a crossdresser's point of view, but from a partner point of view, the idea that, well, you knew this, you've gone places during our relationship where it was more important for you to stay home 
to dress when I went to go see my sister in Buffalo and you didn't come for some strange reason that I didn't understand, but you would have preferred to stay home to dress right. that weekend. Um, what else didn't you tell me? What else did you keep from me? What other decisions did you make because of your cross-dressing that affected us as a couple? And that's the breach of trust is huge. Um, and it's not, especially after years and years and years of being together and thinking your life is as some specific idyllic way and then realizing it seemed to be all a sham. Yeah. It's I, hard and it, it really, it must bring up so much emotions and, you know, Lori lists the feeling ashamed, sorting out my own identity, self-consciousness and feelings overall in the aftermath of this discovery. Mm because you you hand your partner this entire life yeah. of 33 years and say, you know, now's the time I'm going to tell you and the range of emotions must be must cut so deep from why why would they burden themselves for 33 years and not feel is there something about me? Mm-hmm. Me as their partner that they felt like they couldn't share that. Yeah secret and we know you and i can analyze the shit out of the other side of it sure sure. but we are turning the tables and we're talking about the people that house this information have to figure out suddenly how to love this person after maybe they have not been completely honest about such a huge part of who they are right right yeah the one um the one person who had responded had said uh, a couple things. Um, I'll, let me try to find it for you, um, which I thought was very telling. And actually, that same person said this as uh, they did an essay for me afterwards. They said, marriage between two people can be trying. Marriage among three people can be crowded. So yeah. I thought that was a very poignant point that they made. The other point that they had made was, why couldn't you tell me? Why did you wait so long? Why did you underestimate me? Yeah. And I felt that that one note from her was so telling. It was like, why as a partner did you feel that I would just completely abandon you with this because of this knowledge? Why did you underestimate me as your wife? Yeah. Why did you underestimate me? That's so powerful. Um because all we did was let fear get in our way for fear of what could happen and not give our partner the respect of their heart, of their compassion, of their intellect to, to have a conversation with us about this. So when she said that, I was almost brought to tears because yeah. it's, it's something I hadn't thought about. Like I never think about underestimating my partner. Um, it's never really that, that kind of, phrasing has never come across mm-hmm. and more like, I feel like I might be rejected. Yeah. But that's because I felt her belief system might be what would re- cause a rejection or like uh, not being educated about what a crossdresser is, but to say, no, I'm fairly open about everything LGBTQ, but you underestimated me as your wife, as a woman, as your partner to like take this information and do all the callous, terrible things you thought I would do with it. In your fear. Yeah, it speaks to so much. And I know that I understand that from a cross-dresser's point of view, this is such a shame that they don't even want to let their 
themselves know about it really. Right. Like it's so private and they try to get rid of it. And there's so many times where they wish it would go away because they're living this beautiful life. And so there's, there's that turmoil, but then to think about, you know, the person who you're hot, you're keeping this from, that's, that's so deep. And it leads to another question that I have. Were there times in our life that you wanted to tell me and then something happened, whether it be life or you, you couldn't get the words out, you know, or kid walked in, whatever it was. Tell me about, were there times that you came close, but didn't? I want to know about that. Mm. That's what I, that's what I'd ask my husband, you know, like that's one of the things that it, it, it didn't come up in any of my kind of research, but I know it's out there. Oh yeah. I've heard it a few times. I mean, we actually know that with Holly and Sabrina, Holly and Sabrina, if you remember, they were dealing with parents and Sabrina felt that to bring that into the conversation with so much stress already going on would have been a huge detriment. It just wasn't the right time. Mm. I've heard many times anecdotally where a partner would be kind of on the cusp of thinking about telling and sharing. And then the wife will make a comment about a commercial on TV. Look at that gay couple or maybe a news broadcast, the gay couple wanting a cake, a wedding cake and being turned away. And maybe the wife would, oh, I totally agree with that. I wouldn't want them having right, a cake. You know, right. Sometimes you get these little reminders of like, ooh, maybe she's wouldn't be on board yeah. with it. Yeah, I do. I hear that a lot from um, individuals, especially transgender women that haven't told their parents. And, you know, I'll, I'll ask questions and they'll say to me, oh, they would never accept me. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I know how they feel and think about things and I'll kind of, you know, ask more and they'll say it's, it's little stuff that make a huge impact. It's watching TV and making a comment on seeing, you know, two women together. It makes a comment. That little comment builds a life inside your heart mm-hmm. and it builds a life. And, it, you know, the welcome mat may say, I will never tell you do not come in. You know what I mean? Because that little comment builds an entire narrative, which builds an entire home. So it pains me to think that the crossdresser is holding their spouse hostage to that one statement based on not having much information, based on living in the area they live in. Mm -hmm. And then there's the idea that let's say you challenge that, right? You challenge, you go against your agreement with yourself of they would never love me. They would never understand and you tell that person and they respond in a way that's, you know, represents what you thought. They say things like, I cannot be with you because I'm not a lesbian. I mean, that, that is a big one, mm-hmm. right? They yeah. immediately reject you as you thought that, that they would, but it's almost like, which is worse? Living with that secret inside you and not telling your partner or telling your partner and, and dealing with the exactly what you thought, your yeah, fear, your greatest it, fear. Yeah, it's, um, like I said, as we talk about this, I will never be the person to say that everybody who reveals himself to the partner is going to have the perfect life afterwards. All right, come here, you. Come here. It's going to be great. Everything's going to turn out fine with you and your spouse. Right. That's not true. We know that's not true. I've heard too many stories of people who did reveal themselves to their partner And next thing I know, I hear that they're divorcing. Now, that being said, 
That's about choice. Yes. That's about being open, educating yourself in about choice. There's always going to be those situations where they're indoctrinated to a point in their belief system or cultural system or social system that will not allow them to be okay with a cross-dressing partner. Uh, however much they may try to learn about it. We know that. Right. Would you rather be in a relationship where you're constantly carrying the secret or would you rather live a quote unquote better life out there in the world that may be better, that may be more healthy for you and for your partner? There's too many answers to that. We can go on and oh, yeah. thinking of like the religious aspect mm -hmm. of being partnered up with someone or you yourself and and going against your religion and then having to go to these sex addict groups. I mean, there, there's so much to it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but there is the idea that some people, some couples, it, it brings up stuff mm. and there's, it's hard and it's messy and it's painful, but there are aspects that have brought the two closer. And um, I'd like to share another quote okay. from the conversation I had with this beautiful couple. And one of the things that have brought them closer is BT. So the husband is Brianna Tracy. Um, BT's thoughtfulness and commitment as far as respecting my boundaries and comfort with his cross-dressing, letting me decide when and what I'm ready to know do and or see, which is really kind, you know, like just being respectful of this spouse that you've given them this information that you've been hiding for 33 years. And yeah. now, I mean, this person is a very, this spouse who I know very well is so sensitive and considerate and just kind by nature. So it's really, it makes sense. I wouldn't expect anything less that they were continuously trying to make up for the past 33 years and really caring and kind when it comes to letting them know certain choices and, and creating a safe container for this and letting the spouse create her own boundaries and constantly checking in. I mean, that to me, I can't imagine how much healing had to take place in order to get to this point but knowing that it's still a sensitive subject. And it sounds like Lori has a really kind husband that's continuously nurturing this wound. Yeah, it's, um, it's a fine, fine line to being true to yourself and being true to the relationship and being true to other people's hearts. Um, you know, we hear so many stories of the ultimatums we hear like you pick, you know, either you pick me as your wife or this cross-dressing thing and everybody purges and throws everything away. And I don't feel that's purging is ever the answer, but uh, the tact that Lori and Brianna are taking in terms of conversation and setting healthy boundaries. And again, it's about healthy boundaries. Yeah. It's not about just like saying, no, I will not allow this. It's about both having care for each other and setting boundaries that you're both agreeable to and it makes you both happy and kind of letting the the wife or the non-crossdresser allowing them to have a little bit of power have a little bit boundaries are power that's how i see it and so if the spouse says you know i'm not ready to see you fully dressed mm -hmm. 
you can dress. I will love you for you. But at this point, I'm not ready to, to see this, see this person right. at the stage that we're at. And the cross-dresser just respecting that. And at the same time, that is not a closed door. There's room for you to be like, okay, it's been X amount of months since that boundary has been set. I would like to share more with you. Would you be comfortable of, with seeing me in heels or, or showing me your shoes and, and I can show you my shoes? You know, you know right, something right. that's not so, I don't want to see you till yeah. I want to show you my complete femme self. Right, there needs to right. be a little, I think there needs to be some steps to get there and slowly Agreed. keep on checking in with your partner and saying, you know, it's like kind of putting your, your toe in the cold water. You right. know, it starts with a toenail and then it starts <laughs> with, and then before you know it, the whole foot is in, not the whole body, but the foot. You bring up a, a great point, which is saying, I respect that you need to do this, but I'm not ready to see it is being respectful for both the crossdresser and their need to have a presentation and for the wife or partner who says, I respect you enough that I know you need this, but I, my heart, my health says that I'm not ready. So yeah, I totally agree. That is a perfect situation where they're not slamming the door on who you are and you're not slamming the door on who they are. And I want to throw in a little two cents here because we have Gabby who we love from Gabby and, mm-hmm. and Caitlin. Yeah. Who said, let me find Yay. her. Yay. And I have to say that everybody who responded was amazing and thoughtful and yeah. heartfelt. Gabby says, when he, and that's Caitlin, when he first mm-hmm. told me that he was a CD, I honestly thought that he meant that he was gay. But then I did my research and read other people's experiences and I understood since I was raised and taught that men's clothing belonged to men and women's clothing belonged to women, it was a little bit awkward for me. But as I did more research, I dug into more information, and I started to have a different point of view. So we both started with baby steps. First, he wore just panties and bras. Then later, he started to dress in dresses. And then we took the next step that was makeup and going out in public. Now, uh, Julie, as you know, you know, Caitlin yeah. and Gabby, her first, Caitlin's first time out was uh, recently with, with me in tow. Uh, so to which Gabby says, I was a little scared thinking I wouldn't be able to do it. But now I feel a lot different and feel comfortable to even sit beside him as Caitlin in a restaurant. Hmm. So thanks, th- Savannah. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a Sherpa. I give all the credit to Gabby and Caitlin to know that, yeah, you know, like you said, couple. baby steps. I'm not ready. So let's talk about what can we do together or uh, for you and your own pursuit of self-discovery and me to do my own research mm, and then say, okay, let's, let's do this one thing together. Okay. Let's try a little bit something different, like that toenail, then the toe, then the foot, then the yeah. leg. And that I think can work for many people because there's no way that all of a sudden you, the spouse, is going to come to the the conversation knowing everything that we have in our head for the last however many years, months, days we've known about it to like be on the same page. So there has to be research. There has to be going out to those resources online and to podcasts and to books and and whatever's out there that you know gives you that better sense of who you are and your partner is. And 
In writing your first book, you did a lot of um, discussion with many, many, many different couples. Yes. And got a lot of different perspectives and insight. And where I just asked a couple people, and, and I'm so thankful that they were able to share with me, but it pales into comparison with the amount of the scope that you have when it comes to different responses and reactions. And I just was curious, do you ever find that there's some some heightened selfishness that comes from the crossdresser who has just told his partner and expects this kind of, I've done the hard thing and now like you don't mm-hmm. want to see me fully dressed. This feeling that I've done the hard thing. It's a real emotion and a real feeling and a real response and a, an important one at that. Yeah. Crossdresser needs a little bit more from his, his partner that he just told all this information to. They want more. They're hungry for more validation. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And if you think about it in terms of the psychology of it, let's take me, for example. Let's say I was with somebody for 10 years and I've been building up this worry and resentment and fear and I, I need to tell her, but I'm not ready. What if she abandons me? And then all of a sudden, blah, we need to talk. And I blurt it out and sure. she looks at me and nods thoughtfully and inquisitively. And she's a little stunned, a little shocked. And I'm like, she okay. sips on her tea. She's <laughs> She sits on her team. Her Earl Grey. And she's like, um, and asks me those questions that we all know she's going to ask. And I say, no, that's not who I am. And then- what are the, All right, I'll ask you the question. Yes, okay. Go. Are you gay? No, just because I dress as a woman doesn't make me gay. Sip on the tea, sip on the tea, take a deep breath. Are you going to become a woman? Do you want to become a woman? No, I mean, I don't have, you know, that dysphoria. I'm happy with my male body. I just need to have a female presentation once in a while. So you're not going to get the surgery? No. I'm very happy with my man parts. But side side, side <laughs> conversation, <note. laughs> a little angel comes in and is like, but you don't know how you'll feel five years down the road, and you don't want to hitch yourself to a promise that maybe – you might break. That, I'll tell you what, that is uh, definitely something that I heard with Judy. Um, she thought that, you know, how could I be, even when her, she did her research, she said, well, the book says that you're very happy as a crossdresser right now, but the book also said that that person transitioned five years later. <laughs> right. And I'm like, right. well, how can I defend myself against that? I'll write my own book. Um, <laughs> exactly. And this is a conversation. This is why I say that it's so super important that it, the crossdresser has a lot of self-assessment, has mm-hmm. a lot of self-reflection. Because, yes, I think about it. If I woke up tomorrow, we've had this conversation. If right. I woke up tomorrow and I you know, drug myself to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, boobs, I'd be like, all right. That's the way we're going now. Okay, I don't know what happened. face, That's a like gorgeous a, highlighted wig. Look at those curves right. on my, my hips and ass. I'll take it. Um, will I be mad about it? No. Will I go and do it as a purposeful thing to change my actual biology? No. If I could be a shapeshifter, like Mystique from the X-Men, where I could just magically say, I'm going to look like Julie today, and then five hours later, I just turned back to myself. I would be very happy with just that. You would want to look like Julie for a day? Yeah, why not? Because there is a Julie, and her name is... Julie. Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, just saying. I guess saying. if you find a switch, 
for well, I'm, we're not talking Freaky Friday here. That's a whole oh other gosh. thing. Um, I would so be your mother. No, you would be my mother, and I'd go to work and be like, "This sucks." I hate a cubicle, even if I've always wanted to, but at least I have a ponytail. That's true. And my That's, name is Chuck. And your name is Chuck. Um, and we talked. Judy and I have talked about this. It comes back up in conversation, and I just keep looking at it, going, "Well." Is that me? Do I want that? And I'm always doing that self-reflection of like, no, that's not what I want. So it's important for the crossdresser to be as honest with who they are as possible at that moment to have the answer that they need to voice to their partner. Um, but that being said, you know, you we are expecting that you're like, oh my God, you told me and I'm so thrilled and I was, I'm unburdened and I'm like relieved. And I'm like, okay, now that I'm like feeling so euphoric, it's like, I'm ready to take the next step. And we're like completely forgetting that our partner's like, dear in the headlight. And I'm over there sitting, staring at the tea bag, being like, <laughs> my life is over. Mm. I don't know who to turn to. I don't know how to support this person that I love. I can't believe they didn't tell me. So I have my mm -hmm. own, first of all, I'm in shock. Yes. Right. So I, I lose sight of everything. And then I start like, you know, the little, you know, noises start to come and, and my pulse and sweat glands start to go. And then I think about so many thoughts enter my head, but I don't want to tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want you to go back into the closet. I don't want you to feel like you can't tell me things. Right. Yeah, how, how ironic is that? Your adrenal glands and everything is fight or flight when right. you're told this. And yes, your concern is, oh my God, I understand my partner just shared the biggest secret and shame and whatever in their life to me. And I'm so thankful that they chose me to, to be the recipient of this, to share this. But that does not negate all those, like the, the pounding heart and the, the sweat and the, the fear that all of a sudden is now upon you. It's like now you're trying to wrestle with what you feel your, your partner needs and all that stuff, that turmoil is now building inside you instantly. And am I still attracted to you knowing what I know? Seriously. That's, that's a separate That question just yeah. came up for me and I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> because it, it makes me look at my partner in a different complete, complete way. And I don't want to negate or downplay that as a realistic response mm -hmm. that a partner will have in their head. Now, when we're having sex, whether they're dressed or not, will I, will it be distracting in my head that, that maybe they wish that I was a man, you know, like mm -hmm. where does the narrative end? Where it's always it different. It's yeah, always I, different and not everyone is as self-aware. Not everyone wrote two books and, and have kind of made their whole life as just by nature, you're an investigative being, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you, you got in there and you really asked the questions and you really <laughs> researched yourself in such a way that it's like, oh, sweet. Now I have all this data and wrote a book. I'm going to share it. <laughs> um, but I can imagine that that's not the average response. I mean, it no. sounds like Gabby was really great with her initial thought of like, okay, I'm going to do the research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, on, I'm on my own and I'm going to figure this out.
Yeah, and they knew early on. They knew before they got married. So this was not okay, a yeah. this not a oh my god! I, I discovered a pair of panties in your glove box kind of thing. Mm. And um, they were friends before, very close yeah, friends. Yeah, before, so, so uh, in that regard, they did have that very early on conversation and kind of could develop together um, that that kind of bond. Um, for me, you know, it, I always struggle with individuals who still think that my presentation as a woman means that it's going to affect my sexuality or my sexual attractions or my romantic attractions. That being said, like you said, the partner's like, oh my God, if that does that mean that if I'm out on the street with you when you're dressed, that means I'm a lesbian? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, being a lesbian is about being in the purest sense of the word. A lesbian is, being a lesbian means that you are attracted to the same sex the same biological gender, not the fact that uh, your husband is wearing women's clothing. Mm. It could be perceived from the outside as, oh, look at those two women holding hands. They could see you as a possible lesbian, but you were just in love with a person you're in love with. Has nothing to do with like that person magically became a woman. And now Which already you bring up a huge point of like, what will they think? How will it look? I didn't sign up to be a lesbian. I don't want any of the lesbian traits. And that (laughs) includes walking hand in hand with my husband dressed dressed in female mode. Right. So. I mean, you you didn't get into the relationship for a girlfriend that you're in love with in a sexual way. Um, You know, so it was like you grew up thinking like, well, no, I want the Prince Charming. I want my my man who's going to come rescue me. I want the guy who's going to fix stuff and take the garbage out. That's what is attractive to me. So now I have to completely adjust everything about the way I see my husband to accommodate this feminine thing that I've never been attracted to before. And now I have to, like, integrate that. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I got, some, I got some nice quotes um, in terms of Lori's first response when okay. she found out. And okay, I, have, I have three. <laughs> um, the first was, of course, that makes sense. The second one was, in the before, I had joked that I was the guy in our relationship and that he was the girl because I'm more pragmatic and tough-minded and he is more emotional and sensitive. <laughs> Also, the last one. Also, so much of what I have always loved about Brianna are what I think of as stereotypical, more female traits, e.g., his kindness, gentleness, big heartedness, <laughs> and his care and concern about others. Yeah. So, and and we know we know that to be true about we Brianna. We do. We absolutely do. Uh, <laughs> she is a wonderful and unique creature. Um, but that brings up even a different point. It's like when you fell in love with me as a man, before you knew any of this, you were attracted to, unless I was completely uber masculine and enlightenment denying it. If, but if I was like fairly well integrated and the only differences is that you just didn't know I dressed in female clothing. I think a lot of partners would make that same assessment that, oh Yeah. They were more in touch with their emotions. They were they could cry during the movie and not be embarrassed right. by it. Um, they were more empathetic and compassionate or willing to help. 
help out around the house or whatever it might be. It's like, I think when you look back on these traits of the man you fell in love with, you might start to realize it's like, oh, those are all those kind of feminine traits that the feminine side brings to the conversation. Right. I mean, I, I'm tapping into all these kind of stereotypes, meaning men can't be sensitive and kind, which is baloney. Yes. They, they can, obviously. So we're all attracted to something specific in life that is a counterpoint to ourselves. And I think that is no different from the wife or girlfriend's point of view, that they were attracted to this kindness, to this kind of emo uh, you know, vibe that, you know, the partner was a lot more sensitive than their previous partners, you know, oh, they understand me better. Or, you know, it's like, there's all these qualities that just make sense. Once you kind of say, oh, by the way, I like to dress up as a woman. <laughs> mm, yeah. You had said something about resentment earlier in this conversation. And I wanted to circle back around to that because resentment is kind of a common thread of the people I spoke to. And this goes around to the point of resentment. And this goes around the point of not being good enough. Mm -hmm. It's like all of a sudden you have this other woman in your relationship. It is not just a husband who is dressing as a woman. It's like this entire new entity in your life. Like you said before, it takes center stage. It takes all the attention. It's all about that person. Like what do you need? What do you need? You know, catch up this complete adolescent narrative of this brand new woman, you know, that has to be curated. But a couple of things that had come about this, one of them was that, and I'll just read this, for me, it can sometimes feel as if I'm the ugly duckling in the relationship especially since I tended towards less feminine clothes and naked face rather than makeup. That in and of itself is saying, like, I can't compete with this cross-dressing man who is crazy good at makeup. They wear all the satiny clothes where I'm just happy in my cotton. That just makes me comfortable. And all of a sudden, it's like this competition. Yeah, it's it's a direct comparison and competition of like, am I not good enough for my partner anymore? Because the ideal that I see them put towards as their feminine expression is so much different than who I am as a wife. Right. And, and did you need that from me? And, and were you not able to get it so that, so suddenly you, (laughs) you wanted to be a cross-dresser because, I mean, these are thoughts, these are rational Mm -hmm. fears and thoughts that, that are completely, um, they're valid. They're yeah. so valid. Wherever the mind goes is valuable and valid to how you're feeling. And I just want to say that, that it's not, um, they're important. Like I, I understand how that insecurity could come up, whether this fits the person you're talking about or is completely non, not true to, to their story. Mm-hmm. I think for me, that's what I would think. Like, did they feel like that's what they wanted and they couldn't get it from me? because I don't wear makeup and they want it so badly that, that suddenly they, they decided to create this female persona and to paint their face. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, does that I make think sense? it does make sense. And I will say for myself, I, yes, I have a feminine ideal. I have a feminine ideal that I try to um, achieve for myself, mm-hmm. for Savannah, like in one of his necessity, don't forget that. 
I'm a man and I need to look like a woman in my presentation. That's my goal. So of course I can't just walk out with a naked face. That is not going to work for Savannah in my case. So, you know, I'm going to put on more eyeliner. I'm going to put on, you know, have more foundation. I'm going to have my hair a certain way. I'm going to, you know, put my pads in to give myself that shape. Now, does that mean that I'm looking at Judy going, um, yeah, how come you're not living up to this ideal that I have for myself? Of course not. Right. So there's that component of it. So from a crossdresser, it's always about, always about <laughs> which is funny, it's always about me. It's always about what I look like and what I need to see. Now, would I love to see Judy rock some like, you know, liquid leggings and... Oh, she'd look you, hot. No, I know, right? That's why I keep mm. telling her. Um, and like, you know, some satiny, you know, lingerie and stuff. Dude, of course. You know, but does that mean that like, um, listen, it's Tuesday and um, you haven't dressed this way in three months? No, that's... I'm not, right, it has nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with you and your yeah. feminine process. Right. Again, I will tell her though all the time, like you would rock this. You would look awesome in this. I think this would be great on you. I mean, I give suggestions, but if she's going to say, well, you know, I'm more comfortable this way or, hey, you know I'll what do- I see her in? What's that? The faux leather um, stretch leggings, but maroon. Maroon. She's got that gorgeous red hair. I can tell her this. <laughs> or she can listen in and there find you go. out. I'll tell her myself off air, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 very it's very complicated. I can imagine being in partnership with a crossdresser and figuring out what someone's boundaries are. I'd also like to say that in within gay culture, crossdressing is a little more accepting versus the expectation that comes in a this heteronormative way of living, where it goes against kind of the queer culture, right? You're, you're thinking about the husband and what, and what that means for you. Mm. We're not talking about the, the woke couple that is queer friendly. We're talking about the heteronormative couple with the, with the ideals, the list of what a man is and isn't mm. and what a wife is and isn't. And coming out as a cross-dresser within those, that framework, I can imagine based on no facts or polls that it would be a little more radical it would be a little less accepted than within queer culture yeah absolutely if you are like with judy she had zero exposure to gay friends or like a bevy of gay friends or being in like going to more than one drag show when she graduated It, it was more of a curiosity but not something she was intimately understood as normative, like you said. It was this taboo uh, culture that she may or may not put much effort or thought into. So yeah, when I came around, it was like, I don't understand what this cross-dressing thing right. means. It's so radical and new. It's so radical and new. Uh, I know people who are deep into theater scene or yeah. deep into like dance uh, and right. ballet and who like, they, they tend to have more friends that are in the culture. Mm-hmm. And when you have more exposure or friends or experiences within the queer culture, I believe, yes, it's a little more palpable to take and to understand and to maybe not accept within your relationship, right. but to just accept as uh, something that's a little more normal than a housewife in the Midwest who's, who's never been outside her hometown. <laughs> of, of course. I just know that I am one of those who have grown up in the theater who 
does have a deep devotion for the queer community and I and just being on this show and working with crossdressers, I've developed a kind of understanding so that if my husband ever told me that he was a crossdresser, my go-to would not be, are you gay? It wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know. I can't speak to it because it hasn't happened. Um, well, if, if it happens, we will have a very special episode of The Fox and the Phoenix. I'll let you know. <laughs> my brand would be lit. <laughs> Not only am I an ally, I'm also in a relationship. I'm not just the hair club for man president. <laughs> I'm also a client. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, let me see if there's anything else we should hit. Um, we talked about resentment. We talked about the secret. Uh, we talked about the shame. Um, did we talk about loss? We talked about like, oh, my God, my relationship has now fundamentally changed in some way. And how is it going to change? And what does that mean for me as a wife or a mother or as a partner? Um, you know, it's like there's all these fears that crop up that have, of all of a sudden everything you thought you knew is now different. And how can they position themselves in a way that they are a supportive ally and partner to you? And, and what to do with all these questions. A, do we need to tell the kids? All right, let's, let's workshop this. Why would we, why would we not? There should be a point where there's healing on both ends and there's coming together. This, I'm, I'm talking about the most ideal world situation and I'm thankful that I have people in my life that it's still hard for them, but they represent the couple working through it and there's support on both ends. And I can imagine just based on what they put out there into the world in terms of their commitment and connection that there, there are honest discussions such as should we, should we tell the kids? Right. Let's weigh the pros and cons. Should we, you know, that kind of stuff. It seems like it's a very kind of team package deal where I can imagine there's a bunch of different scenarios, a bunch of different couples. And please comment below if this speaks to you in your scenario where there's love on both ends, but it's, it's not such a like, I do, well, I do, you know, like it, it's not so in sync where mm -hmm. there's still severed. Severed, there's resistance, there's like kind of polarization, you know, against it's not each. as harmonious. Yeah. Yeah. This news has broken the couple open and it's more, it's more divided and it's more messy than it is trying to figure out how to create the perfect balance. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Totally so. agreed. We could go on and on about this. I have beautiful essay and commentary from Gabby and Holly and, right. and from Judy and others. So, And the good news is we can wrap up this episode and it could be something that we spend another whole episode talking mm -hmm. about. I want to make sure that we are really speaking to the crossdresser and their partner with a, with a beautiful balance, because that is what we want. We want this to be a show that both people listen to together. And they, I know that I've heard that one couple, they pause the podcast many times and they kind of talk about it with one another. That's right. beautiful. We it want is. to be yeah, I love that. one of the reasons to come together. That is a beautiful sentiment. It's a beautiful thing to know that people do uh, with our podcast. Yeah. I want to say that we touch on 
the partner. We try to be balanced. I mean, you bring right. the female perspective inherently. Um, and I think, I think I try to be impartial and objective, but of course I'm a crossdresser, so I'm going to have that bias kind of built in, unfortunately, but I totally agree. We should, we have so much information. We can ask questions of so many people and really target the significant ones of cross-dressing men and let them know that there is others. There are others out there. They are not the only spouse or partner or girlfriend of a cross-dressing man. And, uh, you know, it's a bigger community out there. I just, I I really do wish that there was a, a much more visible culture that they could support each other in a way that was very meaningful. Yeah. And what we're doing and what, you know, Freedom she is doing, we're, we're shedding light on a culture that hides, hides by nature. We are the resources for them. And so one of the unique things we have is that you are a cross-dresser. I am not. In a sense, I am your partner going on this this journey with you as a, as a co-host. It's very easy for me to take a different angle, to really mm-hmm. empathize with the partner and ask the questions and really think about, you know, me as the partner and me as me as a married person how would it feel like and the complexities around it and and, and it's really easy for me to jump in the shoes of the spouse of the wife mm-hmm. in all in all its ways and so i think just you and i as a partnership as a, a collaborative unit have unique perspectives that can really always whether we create an episode for them, about them, we can always constantly speak to both sides just yeah. based on our dynamic. Yeah, I, I agree. And I want to again thank everybody who contributed yes. to this episode. Um, they are all amazing in their thank own right. And we see you. We yes. see you. We see all of you. We see all the partners that are wrestling with this. And we're here for you. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to you for uh, for what you discovered. And I just, again, I thank everyone for listening. Yeah, and thank you to you. And we're so thankful for all you listeners. And please, if you like what you heard, share, tell a friend, or not, <laughs> <laughs> in your in your cross-dressing support groups. And, you, you know, give us a mention. We'd love to spread this this beautiful gift as far as it can reach. Great. Spread the love. Bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor, copyright 2021. Yes, nailed it. We would love to hear from you because your story matters. 
please comment and share on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.